his child. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Do you have your Bibles today? Okay, I encourage you to always bring your Bible to church. And if you don't, have no fear. Uh, We'll have the scriptures on the screen behind me today. Uh, But I want to direct our attention today to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You may have noticed when you came to your seat that there is a uh, a cup. You may may be sitting on it at this moment, by the way. (laughs) So, I, I mean... Check your neighbor. Uh, well, maybe not. But uh, uh, we're, we're going to be participating in communion at the end of our message here today. And um, I thought it'd be appropriate for us to take a look and see what the scripture has to say about um, our hearts in this occasion. And uh, I want to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. It is so good to see uh, so many new or, or, or faces I haven't seen in a while. So make, make sure you say hi to me today, will you? Because I'll fist bump you, shake your hand, finger guns, hug you, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But I just want, you know, Air 5, whatever is easiest for you. It, it's so good to see you. If I haven't met you already, I'd like to. Um, so... Um, I, I've grown up in the church. I, I, I gave my life to Jesus at uh, the age of nine. So God saved me from a life of running with scissors to uh, a life of purity. And um, now actually, and I joke, because actually some of you have some pretty dramatic conversion testimonies in here. And we thank the Lord for that. Some of you are like me, and you... Uh, you gave your life to Christ at a young age, and God kept you from a lot of things. And whatever is the case, we come to what we call the Lord's table. We have communion uh, to look back and look ahead. We look back at what Jesus has done for us. But then we also look ahead to his coming. And the author of Hebrews talks to us, about where our hearts should be as we kind of have this picture of the crucifixion and the the death of Christ and his blood that we sang about it all this morning. And um, I want to cap that off with a message focusing on this. So the title today is is, uh, Let Us Draw Near. Let Us Draw Near. And we take this right from Hebrews chapter 10. So if you're able to, In honor of God's word, would you be willing to stand with me as we read this together? Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Here's what it says. Let me get my eyes on. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. So let's pray. God, I I ask you as we go through uh, this, some of us would call it uh, an exercise, some of us would call it a sacrament. Uh, God, we're just going to call the time to meet with you today. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd meet us right where we're at. So uh, as we uh, focus on the broken body and the shed blood of, of your son, God, speak to us today, I pray. And meet us right where we're at. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us draw near. There we go. I guess it would help if I had my notes. You'd be in big trouble if I was just winging it, folks. Let me tell you what. No, you wouldn't. I'd get you out of here by five. So again, we're going to participate in communion towards the end of this message. And... uh, and, and we're going to make that a, a real personal thing between you and God. And uh, from this passage that we just read, I, uh, I, I, I found uh, some questions that I think we should ask ourselves. Uh, before we take communion, and, and let me just pause and say that to take communion, you need not be a member of this church. Okay, we don't believe that. Uh, what we do believe is that somebody should be in a right relationship with God. And I'll get to that even more in this message. So uh, this will definitely be open to all. Those of you who are joining us online, I encourage you to uh, maybe get a cracker or a a piece of bread or something like that and uh, some juice or maybe a grape. And you can participate with us as as well and uh, participate right along with us. So I'd like to identify some questions that I would like us to ask as we come to this point of communion, this celebrating the Lord's Supper, having communion with the Lord, the Lord's table. So uh, if you want to write these down, you certainly can. Uh, Let's ask this question first. Number one, uh, am I cleansed? Am I cleansed? Where is my standing between me and God right now. Now, let, let, me, let me offer to you this. This by far is the most important question that we could ask. And, and I should also tell you that it's, it's not just a question that we ask ourselves at the end of some service that we heard, but really this is a daily uh, checkup, if you will. Uh, we're supposed to have regular checkups with a doctor, correct? Correct? <laughs> Some of you are like, no, but we, we are we're supposed to, okay? Uh, and almost has a daily checkup. It's like, okay, Lord, am I clean before you? Am I right with you? Now, look again at verse 22. Verse 22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. I would like to look at something that I think is really important today. Uh, Number one, actually a couple things with this. Number one is being in right relationship with God. Because here's the deal, okay? 
here's what the Bible says. And I'm just going to rattle these verses off for you. Romans 3.23 says, All of us have sinned. Me, you, everybody. All of us have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. Okay? And then Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages or what we earned from that sin is death. Now, if we stop there, it's a very sad story. But the cross changes everything. And seeing that verse in Romans 6.23 says, uh, All of sin comes short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Jesus saw the lostness of mankind. And there is no way we can save ourselves. Hear me when I tell you this. There is no level of good works that I can do to save myself from sin. The Bible is clear about that in multiple locations. And nobody knew that more than Jesus. So Jesus stepped in. And we just celebrated Easter. And I can tell you this. Easter is not about bunnies and eggs and those terrible peeps that you, some of you, all those are good for just putting them in the microwave and watching them melt, you know, all right? That's why God made peeps. Easter is not about that. Easter, that whole season is the fact that Jesus stepped in, went to the cross, which was a punishment that I deserved, took my punishment for me, for me, before I even accepted him as Savior, he took my punishment for me and offers that gift of eternal life through him. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that he rose from the dead, we will be saved. Verse 13 says, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friend, there, there is not a greater thing you can do today than to be certain that you are in right relationship with Jesus. How do you do that? I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. I ask him to forgive me of my sins. And I no longer make Phil Anderson in charge of Phil Anderson's life. I make Jesus in charge of my life. That's called making him Lord. So I make him my Lord and I make him my Savior. Folks, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen people walk out of wheelchairs because of the power of God. But I will tell you this, there is no greater miracle than a person giving their life completely to Jesus Christ. Am I cleansed? Am I right with God today? But as I look across the room, I know that there are a number of people that have made that decision. You've made that choice. You've made the Lord your Savior. You've made Him your Lord. You follow Him as best as you can. There's a part of this scripture behind me that I want to make sure that you see. Because it says there, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a, <laughs> a guilty conscience. I'm going to stop there. Do you not know this? That the Lord not only wants to forgive you of your sin, He wants to cleanse your conscience as well. 
See, because a lot of us have no problem believing that Jesus will forgive us, but we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We, we keep, you ever, you ever like try to make a fire in those of you with a fireplace in your house and, and you forgot to open the flue, right? And so all the smoke kind of pours into your, what you think is just going to be this nice evening at home has now become, you know, it, it's, it's a crime scene now is what it is. It's just awful. And, 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 and you might get the fire out. Okay, you might put the fire out, but what happens? What happens? The smoke damage, right? You've got the residue of the smoke on your stuff. And that has to be cleaned as well. How many of you know where I'm going with this? You see, a lot of us, we're thankful that God's put out the fire of our sin, but we also need God to clean out the residue of the smoke. We need God to clean out the residue of our sin. We have held on to the guilt of our sin that he's already forgiven us for. I don't know who this is for, but somebody in here, you need to know this, that the blood of Jesus not only saves your sins or or frees you from your sins, but it cleanses your conscience as well. You don't have to walk around in guilt anymore. You don't have to think that every bad thing that happens to you is God getting you for something that you asked him to forgive you for decades ago. And I've had too many conversations with Christians to know that this takes place in so many lives. But God not only forgives us of our sin, he cleanses our conscience. Today, could it be as you come to the table of the Lord today, as you take communion, you are fine and good standing with God, but could it be that you need God to free you? of the residue and the guilt of the mistakes that you've made in the past. Now, does that mean that sometimes uh, there are still consequences? Sure. If you rob a bank, you will go to jail. I can't believe God threw me in jail. God had nothing to do. Some are like that. But at the same time, and you hear me, God is greater God's even greater than the consequences of your sin. He is. Do you actually think you're powerful enough to throw off the will of God? Get over yourself. He created the whole universe. You think your dumb mistake is going to say, oh no, God's in heaven saying, now what am I going to do? No, he's got you. He's got you. Am I cleansed? Number two, am I committed? Number one, am I cleansed? Number two, am I, am I committed to, to the Lord? Am I committed to what he wants me to do? We, uh, we kind of live in a throwaway, excuse me. We live in a throwaway society, don't we? Don't like it? Return it. Don't like her? Dump her. Don't like her husband? Get a new one. And we laugh, but it's there. And that awful lack of commitment, it, it, it bleeds into 
our relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 23. The author says, let us hold unswervingly. I underline that word unswervingly. To the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In the Greek language, and and the book of Hebrews was originally written in Greek, that word unswervingly that we have in the Greek, it literally means to to do so without wavering. We, we, We hold on without wavering to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. The Message Bible puts it this way. Let us keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. I like that. And we're reminded of the example here in this scripture. That he who promised, and that is a reference to Jesus, he is faithful. Which means we can be faithful to him. Because he who promised is faithful. Can I ask an honest question here today? What does it take? What does it take for us to waver from our faith in God? I've been doing this a while. Somebody today asked me how long I've been here. I've been here 20 years. I've been in ministry for 33. And I've seen a number a number of things, I know you're all thinking, wow, you don't look a day over 29, and thank you for that. Thank you. But in all seriousness, I've seen so many things that cause people, or at least people use as an occasion to wander away from their faith in God. For some, it's the wrong circumstance. Life gets messy. Life gets difficult. You lose somebody. There's sickness in your body or in your family's body. There's hardship. There's difficulty. And, and I'm not minimizing those whatsoever. But I refuse to maximize them in such a way that it causes you to drift from Jesus. Because I promise you, that is exactly the plan of the enemy of our souls. He will plant those things, those traps in our lives in order to throw us off spiritually, to get us to lose the grip of our commitment to the Lord. For some, it's not something negative. Sometimes it's something quite positive. Uh, Maybe the right person comes into your life and your focus is more on them than on Jesus. When I was a youth pastor, I used to just flat out tell my students, some of y'all can't handle having a dating life and a Christian life. Because your focus is on the one that you love. How long have you known him? Two days. And then God's out of the picture. Uh, maybe you've been blessed with a certain promotion. And before the promotion came, you needed God. Whew. I'm going to trust God. Hallelujah. Then he answered your prayer. Okay, we're good. 
Ever watch the, the four of you that maybe watch the NBA, uh, when, 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 they win the, when they win the title, have you ever seen what the guy with the camera does? He'll find the stars and say, LeBron James, you just won the NBA title. Tell us what you're going to do. What's he say? I'm going to Disneyland. Right? The last thing LeBron wants to do is dribble a ball. Last thing he wants to do is, is go onto a basketball court. He just wants to take a break. And I'm telling you, I have seen too many people who go to Disneyland spiritually. God has given you a victory, and you're like, okay, okay. Now, this little religious season, it's over for me now. Or I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to go to Disneyland. Now, God, when the next crisis comes, I got you on speed dial. Okay, so I will pray. But until then, we're good. God is not crisis management. God's number is not 911. God is there for us every single day. God is not meant just to be your bailout. God is meant to be your closest friend. And that takes a commitment to a relationship with the King of Kings. And there's times where life will get messy. There are times when things will get difficult. I look around this room and so many of us, including me, we have been through some tough stuff in our past. But God is always faithful. And so I can stay committed to God because he's faithful to me. Am I committed? Number three, I've got four questions, so we're halfway done already, and I'm going to fly through these last two. And if you believe that, okay. But number three, is there a camaraderie is what I'd like to phrase this. Is there a partnership in this thing? Did you know that Christianity has never been meant to be practiced alone? Never. This is where this dynamic comes in. This, this, is, why, this is why we put so much effort and energy and resources into the online portion of our ministry here. Because the connection that we have with one another is vital. Look at verses 24 and 25. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are actually expected to encourage one another spiritually to good deeds, to good work. We, 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 are there, we are to be there for each other. That's a dynamic of this church that is a bedrock part of our core beliefs is that we believe that we are there for one another. When one of us weeps, we all weep. When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. We're not about revenge. We're not about jealousy. We are all about the kingdom of God in this place. And we need each other. Here's a question. Are you a spiritual encouragement to the people that are around you? Not in here. Or not just here. But everywhere you go. There, there's an article in Reader's Digest years ago. All the, all the millennials are like, what's Reader's Digest? 
It's this little magazine. What's a magazine? Okay, just never mind. <laughs> look, look by your grandpa's A-track tapes. Um, but in this article called What Good is a Tree? It explained that when the roots of a tree touch, there is a substance present that reduces the competition between the trees. In fact, there's this unknown fungus. I'm not going to call anybody an unknown fungus. Uh, hi, I'm the unknown fungus of Bethel Church. Uh, but there's this unknown fungus that helps link the roots of these trees together, even if they're different trees. So like a maple tree can be connected to an oak tree, and then they could be connected to another kind of tree even. And, and it's, it has been seen that an entire forest can be linked together. So if one tree has access to water, and another to nutrients, a third tree to sunlight, then the trees, because they connect at the roots, have the means to share all of this with each other. And see, like trees in a forest, that's what this is. That, that's the church. That's believers together. We, we link together. Some of us, we provide encouragement some of us, we, we provide such, such talent and such giftings. Others, we, 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 we provide, we, we could pray heaven down. Some of you, you know who you are. I know who you are. And, and we have all of these wonderful things that we contribute to each other. And together, we grow. And in the midst of talking about the blood of Jesus, the author of Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the process of doing or, 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 or currently doing right now. He says, don't do that. Rather, see, and I used, you know, I read that verse when I was a kid. That was the guilt verse for ever missing church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The, the old timers? They throw Hebrews 10.25 at you. It's like, no, 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 God will get you. And, and I don't think that's necessarily all that's being said here. I think the author is saying, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. So with that in mind, may I tell you that if there's anything that threatens that connection of those roots to one another, then that is never of God. And if that is being challenged in your life, then before you come to communion, you need to say, Lord, I refuse to stop the root system from flowing in my church. I refuse to stop the, the encouragement flowing from and through and to me. Are you a spiritual encouragement to those that are around you, here or even outside of here, or discouragement? And trust me, it's one or the other. Finally today, as we come to the table, the last question to ask is this. Is there a change in me? 
Have I been changed? Verse 26, this last verse. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice of sins is left. Uh, you, ever, you ever go to a yard sale or a flea market of somebody that you know and you see something for sale that you gave them? That's awkward. Mm. It's like, oh, wow, a whole nickel. Thanks. But I got to ask, what, uh, what have we done with the gift that Jesus has given us? Sometimes we handle that gift so badly, so cheaply. I don't know that we realize the preciousness that there is with the gift of eternal life. In fact, if we're not careful, sometimes we will treat our salvation, our being forgiven, we'll, we'll, we'll treat that as nothing more than freedom from guilt for a week. Some get-out-of-hell-free card. And our salvation is more than that. It's so much more than that. Do you want to know how you measure a true move of God in your life and in a church? It's not about how loud you shout. It's not about how high you jump. It's not about how much you sing. And we, we put all these external silly qualifiers upon spirituality. And we're saying, oh, she's a real woman of God because she's loud. And, and, you know, and if you're a loud person, okay, 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 you know. Sometimes the loudest boxcar on the train is the empty one, but I'm just saying. Uh, and, and, uh, send all, all your emails to my son, he'll handle them. And, but we, 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 we put all these qualifiers as to what a real spiritual person is. Do you know, do you know what a true test of revival really is? Have I been changed? Am I a different person? Am I a new creature in Christ? When people look at me, am I different now? Has he changed my life? That's, that, that's, that's the true test of a move of God. I, I've been changed. And quite frankly, I'm never going back. I, I was once one way, but I'm not going to return to that again. If, if God has forgiven us of sin, we, we dare not go back to that. We don't go back to that. And I know there might be a temptation, but come on, come on. We, we, we've been set free. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you this. God's way is always the best way. I promise you this. It might seem funner. It might seem financially better. It might seem to make sense to you, whatever that is. But if it goes against God's plan, I am telling you it is the wrong way. God has outlined how we should live for him in his word. That's why we gather together to encourage us like this. And the last thing we need to do is to go back to something that God has freed us from. Man, I look around here and I see the difference that God has made in so many lives. 
I don't want to embarrass him, but I notice he shares this story publicly, but I see Kelly Hart, who was a heroin addict. And, and there, was a, there was a spill. I just wanted to... Oh, in Jesus' name, I just wanted to... Anyway. <laughs> but I thought we can't give up on this guy because I know that Jesus is not going to give up on this guy. And, and here he's in the front row. Okay. And not only that, not only that, but now, now he shares his story and walks people through and out a life of addiction. That's by the grace of Jesus Christ. You, we've talked so many times, you dare not go back. You dare not, because I will kill you. Uh, <laughs> and you're sleep, I don't care, but I will. But, but now you, I mean, but you don't have to be an ex-addict to make this statement. It, 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 could be, it could be a critical spirit. It could be a judgmental attitude. It, it, it could be what, whatever you were before Christ. Don't go back. Don't go back. And if you find the past, if you find yourself kind of looking back to how it used to be, before you come to the table, would you say, Lord, not only change me, but keep me changed. Keep me changed. I will live for you from this day forward. I refuse to go back to what it was before. I refuse. I refuse. Am I changed? Let us draw near. Let us draw near. I'm going to give an opportunity for all of us to personally have a time of communion today. And so there's really not going to be a formal dismissal. But here's what I'm going to do. And Tammy, you can go ahead and run that presentation and that music. I'm just going to scroll these four questions that I've asked over and over and over and over again on this screen. And before you take the bread, and if, if this is hard for you to get out, then go ahead and get help from somebody. But there's one, it's in two pieces. The first piece is for the bread, then the second piece is for the cup. And when you're ready, take the bread. Thanking him for his broken body on the cross. And then when you're ready, drink the cup. Thanking him for his shed blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And then maybe you just want to sit in his presence and thank him that he's cleansed you, that he's brought you a family of believers that are there to be with you, that, that he is worth being faithful to because he's faithful to you. And some of us just need to thank him for changing us. So, this closing is meant for you to do at your own pace, not for me to give you the verbal cues. What I'm going to do is pray for you. I'm going to say amen. And then it's up to you. And when you're done with the Lord today, and he's done with you, consider yourself dismissed today. Now, I would ask you, because of a service like this, 
we're going to have some people that may linger here longer than others. So if we want to fellowship and, and talk, which I think is awesome, let's do it in the lobby instead of here so we don't interrupt anybody, okay? But I want to pray for you that he, God would meet with you as you come to his table today. What, could we bow our heads and close our eyes today? And Before I go any further, and we're going to make this real private, so we're, no need to look around or anything. I wonder if there's anybody here, you're, you're not right with God today. You're not right with him. You need his forgiveness. You need, you need to make him your Lord and your Savior today. You, you need to make that choice today to serve him. And maybe you've made that choice in the past, but you've kind of fallen away. Uh, today is the day to get back in right relationship with him. But so that, I, and I promise, okay, I'm not going to embarrass one person here. I will not do that. I will not do that. But so that I can pray for you and know whom to pray for. Is there anyone here today you will say, Pastor Phil, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I need to make a decision to serve him. I need him to change my life. If that is you, I just want you to merely slip your hand up and put it right back down. That's all I want you to do. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? We've already had two. Are there others? I need to make my life right with God. No judgment here, folks. This is, this is a God thing here. A few more moments. All right, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer with me by repeating it after me. And then I'll close in a short prayer and then I'll just turn you loose to get alone with God, okay? So I want you to repeat this part of the prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me, and for forgiving me. Today, I ask you, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and help me to live for you today and forever. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. So give me the strength to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I ask you that you would be with every single person online and in this room who are about to have communion with you, God. I pray that you would search our hearts as we ask some of these questions to you and to ourselves. And God, I ask you that your Holy Spirit would work in us. And if we have to respond in any way, God, I pray that we would do that right now. And Jesus, I'll thank you for what you do. Let your Holy Spirit work in us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this time is with you and God. When you're done, you can be dismissed. God bless.